Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, and if you haven't ventured outside the door today, I can tell you when you are heading out, you need to wrap up warm. It really is a chilly, chilly day out there. And Met Aaron are telling us as we go through this week, it is going to get colder. Met Aaron have already issued two cold weather warnings, and they're saying temperatures could go as low as minus four degrees Celsius for some parts of the country. There's one status yellow low temperature warning for us here in uh, Munster and that expires at 11 o'clock this morning. And then there's a second status yellow snow and ice warning and that's more for the north of the country, Donegal in particular, and that's in place until 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. And as temperatures are forecast though, right around the country to drop as low as minus four degrees. Uh, people are being warned to be careful on the roads and and actually met Aaron and I don't know if I've seen this before have issued a warning to be sure to check on your animals uh, as well and met Aaron advising motorists and pedestrians that ice will be present on roads and on footpaths and conditions will be slippy and dangerous in places so please be extremely careful when you're out and about not just on the roads but on the footpaths uh, as well our texts and whatsapps are open at 0862 103 103 and as always if you're out and about this morning and you do come across an area that perhaps has some black ice or an area that is particularly slippy, let us know so we can just advise and warn other listeners. Now, I want to start this morning with something that we've featured on our news with Barry O'Mani all morning and this is a man has been charged in connection with a robbery at a business premises in West Cork last week. The incident uh, happened at lunchtime on Friday in Clonakilty, Mairead, Tuig. Our news reporter takes up the story for us. Uh, good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. Now, this was an armed robbery at the Credit Union in Clonakilty last Friday. Can you outline what we now believe happened? Yeah, so this incident uh, happened at lunchtime on Friday in Clonakilty. Now, where we must be careful is a man has been charged and is appearing before abandoned district court later this morning. Um, so he's a man in his 20s. He was arrested uh, yesterday morning and was being questioned at a Garda station in the region. And uh, Gardaí have been asking for anyone who was in the Kent Street area of Clonakilty at around 12.30pm on Friday to contact them to come forward if they have any information. Now, uh, we know that the this incident, you know, it did send shockwaves throughout the local community. And I suppose as anyone knows, the credit union in your local area, somewhere you'd come and go, you'd never think that something um, as frightening as this might happen. And, you know, they have been taking to social media some of the concerned locals just 
to send their support to the workers at the local soccer club, Clonakilty AFC, saying, you know, they hope everyone's OK. Uh, they said the credit union's a great supporter of their club and they've been sending all the wonderful staff the best wishes after what they describe as such a, a dreadful experience. Well, you know, friends in the area and, and more locals have been praising fabulous staff. They said uh, one local commented, absolutely disgusting, um, that have to be in fear of their, their jobs and home thinking of all the staff involved. So there has been an outpouring of support there from the local community. And I suppose it is it is worth pointing out that thankfully nobody was injured. So, I mean, I'm assuming while just very shocked, the staff by all accounts are okay. That's it, yeah. No injuries were reported, but what we do know is that the man did make off with a sum of money from the premises. And as you say, uh, you know, that it was it's it's good I suppose that nobody was injured because he did threaten a staff member with a knife that's what we understood to have happened and demanded to be given cash and as they say well no injuries were reported uh, the man did make off with the sum of money from the premises but a man has been charged now a man in his 20s arrested charged and uh, is appearing before abandoned district court at this and morning. And as you say Gardy, if anybody I mean 12.30 last Friday busy time people out and about doing their shopping and doing their bits and pieces on a Friday so so if anybody's dash cam footage, anybody saw anything, particularly in the Kent Street area of uh, Clonakilty, please, please, please contact either uh, Clonakilty Guard the station or Bantry, Bandon Guard the station who are investigating uh, as well. And it wasn't the only credit union that was targeted on Friday. That's it. So at uh, the Ballon Lock Credit Union, this was actually um, earlier in the month on the 5th of January, uh, Friday, January 5th, uh, Ballon Lock Credit Union uh, it was robbed and uh, they an email was sent to members of the credit union and it just said that, you know, you may be aware that your credit union suffered a robbery um, last Friday, which was the 5th of January, the first Friday of the year. It said, you know, thankfully nobody was hurt in the incident, which happened in the Ballon Lock office. They said that no members were in the office at the time. So when they say members, it's it's customers. Mm. And while the staff involved were very upset, they acted in a highly professional manner, you know, ensuring that the matter was not escalated. The Ballinlock office was closed for the day, Gardaí, you know, investigating. They said their other offices continued to be available for service during that day. They just wanted to assure members visiting any of their offices that the security of staff and members is always the uppermost in their concerns. So they thanked everyone who contacted their offices expressing their concerns and their good wishes. And as they they are the investigating. But what it's um, led to now is a, a manhunt. Uh, this is a, from last Wednesday, so the 10th of January, that a manhunt is underway in Cork after three businesses, a credit union being the one in Ballinlock, a pub and a shop. They were burgled at knife point in the days leading up to last Wednesday, the 10th of January. And Gardaí were now investigating whether these three attempted armed robberies may actually be linked. Mm. So... Um, I suppose to, to go through so the, those incidents, so a man waving a knife demanded money at a spire on Douglas Street at last Tuesday morning at around 8am. Then about two hours later, a man armed with a knife attempted to steal from a pub on Evergreen Road, but no money or goods were stolen from either premises. And as I've just been speaking about, about the, the credit union in Ballinlock, that happened the Friday previous, so the 5th of January, where he burgled the, the credit union in Ballinlock at knife point and escaped with cash. Now, 
Uh, the, a Garda source said that the suspect was well concealed, you know, making identifying him on the likes of CCTV at the premise is quite difficult. But two women were working in the credit union at the time of the armed robbery, it's understood. Now, as we established, no injuries were sustained in any of the three armed burglaries. And that was according to Garda sources and the investigation, um, Garda investigation is underway. And it's possible that they're linked. Now, we've no, we can't say that they are linked, but there is a, a possibility there that these three three um, incidents could be linked. Yeah, it's shocking. It really is uh, shocking. And as I say, our thoughts are particularly with the staff members of all of those uh, premises because it's a pretty, pretty frightening thing. You turn up for your day's work and it's the last thing you expect is somebody to coming in uh, brandishing a, a knife. And just before we let you go, uh, Mairead, another really sad story um, with the, c- coming out from uh, Balancholic, uh, but it's actually coming out from Perth in Australia. And this is um, Damien Lucy, who's uh, got into difficulty swimming in Perth last week. That's it, yeah. So there's prayers are being said in uh, Balancholic for a local man, Damien Lucy, as you said, and he's missing in Perth in Australia. He got into the difficulty difficulty in the ocean off Perth last week and before emergency services could help, he went missing in the water and he hasn't been seen since. Now, a number of uh, local sporting clubs have taken to social media. So among them is Balancholic AFC. They're asking followers to keep their former player, Damien Lucy, in their thoughts. Um, they said that his family, friends and loved ones are asking for prayers that he be returned home soon. Now, Mr Lucy, we understand, is in his early 40s and he emigrated to Australia a few years ago. Now, the Department of Foreign Affairs says it's aware of the case and providing consular assistance. And Ballonhasig AFC, another club, they're just saying that their thoughts are with all the Lucy family after the news emerged of the disappearance of Damien Lucy. They said he was a former senior men's player with Ballonhasig and a friend to many current and past members. They said, you know, he was last seen going for a swim in Perth in Australia on Monday the 8th of January, but he didn't return and they said they hope he can be reunited with his family. Now, what we learned from that post is that Damien's originally from Ballonhathic. He moved to Ballonhathic just before secondary school, where he played underage football with Ballonhathic before returning to Ballonhathic as a senior in the mid-2000s. They said, you know, he's a very well-respected footballer and by all accounts an even nicer person and they're uh, sending their thoughts also with him and his family at this time. Now, College Corinthians have also posted to say that um, that the Lucy family, they've strong ties with College Corinthians in girls and boys teams and with Balancholic and Balancholic Ladies GA as well. And they said a highly respected family in Cork and uh, further afield. And Damien's sister, Eleanor Lucy, has posted on Facebook as well to say that on Monday the 8th of January they said Damien went for a dip on Honeycomb Beach which is south of Perth um, she said that two people heard Demo call out for help but unfortunately the water took her funny witty brother under as she said we're still waiting for the call to say that he's been found she said we want to say that we will be eternally grateful for Demo's Aussie family for what they're doing for us and for all the visitors, callers, we're truly amazed how many lives Demo and Demo's infectious laugh truly touched and she said please keep hope he will be returned to us and there's an absolutely beautiful picture there as well so, um, so my sad. thoughts go out to that family yeah. you know, to be so far across the world yeah. um, and as she said waiting for that call 
um, it, it's unbearable to yeah, think about I'm really. Yeah, I'm just hoping that they, he is returned to his family. I can already see some texts uh, coming in obviously from people who know and who knew Damien uh, well. Some, somebody said it's just so terrible what has happened to Damien Lucy out in Perth. He was a sound lad, always chirpy. I hope the government will help the family in any way they can but in fairness they are, they are aware and they're offering uh, consular assistance. Okay, listen Mairead, we leave it there. Have a lovely Monday and uh, thank, yes, you, thank you as you always for your contribution. That is uh, Mairead uh, Tuig uh, from our newsroom. Now last week one of the founding members of the South Dock Service in McCroom, Dr Con Kelleher, wrote a hard-hitting letter to the Corkman newspaper saying the out-of-hours service as it had operated had now ceased since the start of the new year. I'm joined by some local publicly elected representatives from the area with their views on what's going on at South Dock in McCroom. Uh, firstly joining me is McCroom Municipal District Chair, that's Councillor uh, Ted Lucy. Good morning to you Ted. Good morning, Patricia. Happy now, New Year to you. Uh, many happy returns, Ted. Now, just before Christmas, uh, Southstock said they were implementing a realignment of services and that McCroom Southstock would operate by appointment only. We addressed that issue here on the programme and people seem to be happy enough with if you need an appointment with Southstock, you'll ring them up and you'll get an appointment. But in reality, that doesn't appear to be what is happening. Can you tell us what you now know is happening at Southstock in McCroom? Well, I suppose, Patricia, not to delay, like, I just want to, like, I suppose, we got a letter on the 20th, I think the 20th of December, public, uh, all public reps got us dating, outlining what was happening, and that letter to me, the first heading in it was strictly private and confidential. That was saying, look, we're changing our system here, but, you know, don't tell no one we're going away. And that really, you know, bugged me, that's strictly private and confidential, because everyone should know what was in that letter. And how we started originally was back in September. There was rumours going around. We wrote, we wrote in September, sorry, October twice, and December looking for clarification to Clowney from council meetings, and they never acknowledged, not even received of the you know the letters. So then we didn't nothing until the 20th of December, and um, I just felt that this wasn't right myself, and I even I didn't know why. But then I met, or I spoke to Doctor Con Keller, and he was of the same opinion, maybe. And then it realised, it, it materialised that, you know, that what they said in the letter was very misleading in a way. And I think so many GPs have recognised that themselves. And like the car has gone from McCroom, the drivers have gone from McCroom. So if you go down this evening to McCroom or ring or anything, they're not based in McCroom. They say that so the, out, the, you know, the statement from South Dock is a clever play on words. You can get an appointment, but nobody yes. seems to be getting an appointment. Well, to be fair, no, I, I, I have nothing whatsoever against any GP. I got a GP in Macron myself, and look, I have nothing personally against any GP. I want to say that, but it's just the, the system they have, as it how it, like that the way they did it, like they did it on over Christmas, torn Norman to leave or come into the weekend before Christmas Day. Uh, our social medias were kind of closing down, you know. And if we went on the radio at that time, we've all people living in their own over Christmas, we were frightened the living daylight sort of. They'd be wondering that if they got sick, that they couldn't get a doctor and things. So, but by the letter we got that time, it was hard to understand. You, you, you really think that the service was staying there, and you would wonder why they're writing this weekly because 
there were going to be there by a five and anyway, and that you always have to ring by a five. Yeah, yeah, I, and actually that's the very, very point we made. It was one of the first interviews we did when we came back after Christmas, and, and I was saying, I don't understand this, but everybody rings for an appointment they with do. South Stock, so yeah. why is it only by appointment only? So now, from what we can gather, from what we were hearing from people and listening and reading Dr. Con Kelleher's uh, piece, if you, if you are in McCroom and you ring, you're advised to go to one of the other South Stock services. Yes. So where are we talking about people are travelling to? You, I, I think they're clearly Bandon or Cork and look to six and a half dozen the other there because you'll be to Cork and I suppose in Canal, you know, as fast as you'll be to Bandon. But it is the, like people, if people are sick, like they, they, it's helping them to travel. Some people don't have transport to go that far. Like I was off, you'd be walking up to McCroom Town there, but now you can see South Dock stop us, you know, outside the house or something. So, like, you could be talking two or three hours before they'd come to you, and you were probably better off ringing an ambulance. No, because you'd probably get a better service if the ambulance was there. To, you know, yeah, but Ted, but Ted, we've been told not to do that. We've been told don't block up yeah. the A&E department. Right, yeah. Stay there, because I want to bring in um, um, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan okay. on this topic as well. Good morning, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia, and Happy New Year. And ma- many happy returns. Like what Ted was saying, were you having your concerns about McCroom South Stock Service in the run-up to Christmas? Well, very much so. Throughout the, the back end of last year, uh, people would have been raising it with me, and I asked about it on the floor of the doll last autumn as well, for to get clarity on what was go- uh, South Dock's plan and what, what was going to be happening. And it was difficult to get uh, responses on it, and it was that response uh, just before Christmas um, that I felt was the first response I was getting from raising it and the doll. Um, it, it very much pointed, that, that response, it very much pointed towards McCroom continuing to be opened and pointing towards enhancements. And, you know, I, I just can't understand how, in it, how it would be an enhancement if people now seem to have to travel further for to get uh, access to a GP. So, like, that concern that was there, it's almost there all the time, that they, they really haven't cleared things up and that they've gone in a different direction to what was suggested um, in that letter. And I wouldn't be satisfied with at all uh, with with the information that we got on it because I feel people are having to travel further and we're not hearing of anybody getting access to an appointment in McCroom. Now, maybe there are, but certainly we're hearing of people having to, to go to Kinsale Road um, for, for to get access to a GP. Yeah, I know uh, we've asked that that same question of South Stock. Has any physical appointment taken place at the McCroom facility since this realignment went in on the 2nd of uh, January and we're still awaiting a reply because we did get on to South Stock on Friday when we knew we were going to be discussing it uh, today. Now, they do say that a mobile doctor will travel to McCroom for appointments, but they're making the point that typically the patient would be seen quicker if they decided to either go to Cork or Bandon. So that's obviously what's going to be presented to patients. If you're insisting on being seen in McCroom, then you're going to have a bit of a wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the letter points to enhancements where there would be a dedicated car travelling around to people's homes. And we understand that from questioning them that that same car then would likely be uh, going to serve people in McCroom at the centre there if there was appointments there. Uh, 
but in the meantime that people who weren't going that route uh, or were able to travel to the likes of Kinsale Road would be diverted there in the first instance. And like that's a longer wait and a longer um, journey for so many people. And to be presenting that as an enhancement, it just doesn't stack up for me. Yeah, and Ted, if, for people outside the area, the cell stock facility in McCroom is, is a modern facility. Very much so, and a, like a fine building, and it's a shame to see it like the way it is, it is left idle now. And I think they're, they're holding onto the building because, as you rightly said, they said that they would see people, you know, by appointment during the night if they had to. But similar things happen in Cantork and in Skibreen, and the question I'd like answered is, have they seen many people in them, in them buildings? And if they have, tell us. Yeah, you know? how many? How many? And come out yeah. and tell the people very, like it was on the Cartman, to be fair by Dr. Audrey Russell in fairness, so she came out and she clarified it a bit clearer than what we, we got in the letter. But, like, come out and do a week of social media, tell the people, you know, what's happening, put it on the radio, put it on the papers, let people know, like, obviously they're not going to come back to McCroom, I'd love to see them coming back that ship of sail, but uh, just tell the people very plainly the way this is going to work. And, um, uh, Andreas, the, the reason, of course, for this service enhancement, according to Southstock, they say it's essentially to maintain the service. There's the challenge is due to a lack of GPs and a resultant risk of burnout of those who continue to work as GPs in the area. That's the nub of the problem, isn't it? We don't have enough GPs. Well, that's, yeah, the young, young doctors that come in won't do, they're saying, to be fair, they won't uh, do the... the the South Dock by night, and then if they want to do the South Dock by night, they want to do by day. So they'll get in by day, but they won't do by night. And look, I can see that point of it as well, but no one wants the South Dock going, and we don't want to be wanted to come back, but just clarity we want and what's there at the moment. Just okay. uh, Andreas, Andreas, are there less doctors in McCroom? No. Um, there there are fewer practices because you would have had, say, a practice closed into or merge and you would have had a, a practice change hands. Uh, but there isn't a drop in the number of GPs serving the area. Um, in fact, some people would tell you that, there's, that there is a, an increase in it, um, but that uh, it's a small number of people between the Bolivorna, Coachford, Farnans, uh, uh, McCroom area. Uh, but definitely nationally, there is pressure on the numbers of GPs. And in response... Uh, and we've seen it there over over uh, last year as well, the increased availability of places, college places, for those different courses, pharmacy and medicine. Um, and we've seen, for example, where my colleague, uh, Minister Anne Rabbit, uh, is sponsoring a number of specialists uh, as they're going through their education so as to ensure that they would, in turn, then commit towards working with the HSE when they qualify. But I think... There's a a huge, huge uh, untapped resource uh, in our communities as well. We have very highly skilled pharmacists and they're able to deal with so many different conditions. They have the, they're based locally. uh, They have the the trust of their their customers, their patients. uh, They have the expertise. We've seen them, for example, doing vaccinations and 
repeat, repeat prescriptions. So there's a great resource there locally. And there, I'd like to see them having the opportunity to do more and more. And, and, uh, in, fa- and in fairness, Andreas, the Irish Pharmacy Union have mm. been, I've done numerous interviews with them over countless numbers of years. They've been calling uh, for that. But I also thought that Father uh, Dr. Con Keller uh, made an interesting point, And again, a point that a number of our listeners would have raised on this programme. And that is how we educate uh, how we educate doctors and the fact that we, the Irish taxpayer, pay to educate doctors. And he makes the point, and I, and I quote from his letter to the Corkman, he said, from 2023, the state spends €14,500 per new entry graduate medical student. That amounts to €72,500 over five years. It does not make sense to me, says Dr. Khan, to train doctors to service Australian and other non-Irish health services. If Ireland needs doctors, Irish taxpayers subsidise doctors. They should work in Ireland for a minimum period of time, be it three, four or five years, or buy themselves out if they wish to leave before their time. That, that is a valid point. We're educating these young people. And then, and, you know, there's nothing stopping a young doctor or nurse going abroad. But surely there's a responsibility to give something back to the country that educated you. I think there's a, I think there's a reasonable point there. Uh, you also have to recognise that the, there is a difficulty there now and that people going into medicine now won't be available uh, for several years. So we we have people who are already available in our community, the pharmacists. So there's a, a much faster, more immediate uh, way of of taking on the, the pressure point by, by having... Uh, by giving the the pharmacist more of an opportunity to do it and keep people away from the GP. But it is a reasonable point that there should be a level of commitment. And it's one of the uh, one of the issues that, that as I was saying, that um, my colleague, Minister Anne Rabbit, has honed in on with particular specialities in disability so that people, uh, by sponsoring people there, that they would then commit towards time uh, with the, the HSE after qualification. Okay. Uh, I think it's hugely okay. important as and well that there are more people uh, being qualified and more spaces in those courses for people because remember, there's a lot of those people are coming in internationally and they're paying big uh, fees for uh, far to do those courses in order uh, to train so, here, yeah, and then yes, they pay so those fees to go home, which is yes. which is which is un- understandable. Uh, by the way, because another issue that we know um, is lands at the foot of Southstock and, and a problem for them is the amount of people that contact Southstock because they they cannot register with the GP where they live because all the GP practices are closed to new patients, and that's having a knock on effect on how busy the Southstock service is. Is that a problem in McCroom? It's definitely a component in it, all right, yeah, because you have more, McCroom is growing and you have more and more people who have moved in and uh, their own GP might be in Carlo or in Tralee or wherever they, they came from originally. And, like, they, they end up having to, to get access to alternatives, whether it's South Dock or a walk-in service or, or wherever. And I, I think... And I come back again to it on the on the, the pharmacist one because some of those prescriptions would be repeat ones that the the pharmacist could deal with, but it would be best if there were increased availability of GPs so that people would be able to get a service locally. And I think that that's vital. Okay. I'm not sure that this move from South Dock is going to increase, or there's no indication in their letter that they intend increasing the number of GPs. 
through this plan. Um, so, like, yes, it would be good. It would be important to be able to get additional GPs in because there are so many people around who don't have their own local GP. Okay. And so, and 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 where do you take it from here? As the you know the local TD in the area, Andreas. Yeah. Well, I've been raising it on the number of forum directly with the Minister uh, and on the, the floor of the Dáil as well and with the HSE uh, that point about the increased uh, use of the pharmacists I think uh, that that's one that, that we need to, to keep moving on as well. Uh, the availability of GPs uh, that, that has to be brought through the colleges as well with uh, the increased number of, of people coming through there um, so like there's a number of different routes that have to be to be tackled on it. Okay. The, the post has to be more attractive uh, for people for to be able to, okay. to stay listen, in. Listen, I'm I'm way o- I'm way over on time, gentlemen. I have to leave it there. But listen, I appreciate you both taking time out to join us today. Good, good morning to you. That is uh, Councillor Ted Lucy and also uh, Deputy Andreas uh, Moynihan. Hi, Patricia. It's very hard on people who live out in rural areas of the countryside, particularly when they're sick. A lot of people don't know the city that well and don't like to have to drive into the city and imagine doing it when you're not feeling well. And hi, Patricia. People have to go to Mallow. People travelling from Cantorque to Mallow because the South Dock service isn't in Cantorque. It's so maddening. I think the, the Cantorque South Dock service should reopen for the people of Cantorque and the surrounding areas. Now, with uh, more and more people sadly struggling with the cost of living crisis, it was no surprise to see that the food bank service Feed Cork have seen an increase in the number of families coming to them for help last year. To talk about the service, I'm joined by Hamp Searmans, who is director of Feed Cork. Uh, Good morning to you, Hamp. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And Happy New Year to you and the rest of the gang at Feed Cork who do the most amazing work. You're an incredible group. Um, talk to me about the figures from last year, Hamp. How many people and did you help during 2023? Uh, 2023, our numbers went, um, well, I'll go back to 2022. Uh, we headed into 2022 looking at around 1,400, 13 to 1,400 clients. That's annual clients. Now, that would include families and individuals. Um, Those numbers climbed over the past, since the housing, uh, sorry, since the cost of living crisis, which really began around that time to present date. um, We peaked at 4,400 clients. um, And then we're we're down to around 3,900 clients. The majority of those, 80% of those being families and the rest of those being, uh, the remainder 20% being uh, individuals. And would some people across last year have come to you, Ham, for the very first time? Yeah, yeah. We saw uh, like our, our last year record numbers of first time registers, uh, registered clients. So uh, these would have been people that were to, that would have come in for the first time. And for some of those, I, I assume, a difficult thing to have to do to come in and say, I'm struggling, I need help. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't think anybody's, um, you know, particular goal in life is to, to wind up in a food bank receiving help. But we, um, yeah, the, and that is difficult for people to come in, but we try and make it as as easy as a process as we can for them. And uh, we have a wonderful team that, that uh, know how to deal with that and, and comfort and help people as they come through that process. 
and get them into it. And uh, so I'm very, we're very thankful. You said it right. We have a wonderful team of mm. people that are here that really are, are um, geared and, and motivated to help people in those positions to alleviate as much as the, of the shame and kind of, uh, you know, the, the different feelings that people would feel as they come into us. Yeah, because Hamp, I, you know, I, we often chat to people here, we'll contact the radio station who find themselves in really, really difficult situations and we would be suggesting uh, a pe- a people like yourself, Fee Cork or a local uh, society of St Vincent uh, de Paul and I'm always saying to people, you might need the help uh, today and you might need it to get you over a hump for the next couple of months, but things will turn That's around right. and then you'll be in a position where you'll be able to pay it forward you'll be able to give back and you'll be able to help the next person in line who needs help so nobody needs to feel uh, ashamed but it can be really really difficult to pick up that phone or to knock on that door to say I'm looking for help and just remind listeners of um, what you do for people and what you provide every week for people Yeah so we provide um, Feed Cork is changing Uh, we're evolving into more of a wraparound service for people uh, currently, we have kind of a two-tiered system where we take first-time uh, clients that are in need of emergency food supply, and really, it's about a hundred and anywhere from a hundred and thirty to some weeks at pushing one hundred and fifty euros worth of food, uh, around four or five-day supply of food for families, and it's really just to offset bills that are coming in, people under financial pressure. Maybe they can't pay their oil bill, their electric, their rent. So we're here on the other side of homelessness to try and keep people in their homes. That's how. That's why we started. So uh, last year we were able to give 1.2 million euros, put that back into the households of local families. So when they come into us, they can register. We have, they can come to us uh, if you, if you just want the emergency food uh, supply, up to four times. And then that kicks into if you need to go in a little bit further and need additional help. We just initiated a program called a Pathfinder. It's called Pathfinders, where we have two caseworkers that are trained in helping people walk alongside them, maybe access benefits and other other um, supports that they may not know exist. So we're really trying to help people, kind of a one-stop shop that come in and uh, that you know, there are many people out there that, for various reasons, have difficulty with form filling. It's very off-putting. Some of the some of the supports, they're great supports in this country. I know people run down the government a lot, but I'm from America. I grew up in the rural South. We did not have the social benefits that people have here. I we grew up. Um, my story is I grew up in abject poverty uh, as a as a child. My mother left uh, my father, who was a who was an alcoholic, unfortunately very abusive, with four kids in the mid seventies. We moved out. She went out on her own. There was no social welfare, nothing but family and and local you know people to help. But uh, she was injured in a workplace accident through no fault of her own. Found herself out of work and. We found ourselves struggling. There were there were there were no feed corks. There was very little help like that socially. So here, thankfully, there are a lot of, of supports that people can access. 
that are out there for them that many times they don't access it. Um, and you'd be surprised. It's very uh, daunting, some of the forms and even calling up some of these, some of the, um, some of the agencies or some of the, the supports. It's very, it's off-putting uh, for some people. And that's so, where your volunteers step in and help out. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's right. So we make phone calls. We do form filling. Just this last, just two weeks ago, for instance, we helped a lady uh, who her husband is disabled. She wasn't getting carer's benefit. And straight away, she got onto that. He helped fill out the forms. And now she's getting extra 115, 114 euros a week. Brilliant. Just Which will make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, it'll make a huge difference. Yeah, and of course, the, 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 the department doesn't come knocking on your door because they don't know your situation. No. You, you have to exactly. uh, tell them. Uh, talk to me about how you're funded. So we're funded, yeah, you know, we're right now, um, we're funded through donations. We, we don't have, um, we've been working so hard for seven years, Patricia, that uh, that's one thing that, that um, you know, we, we've developed over the last year, trying to get into more fundraising and, and developing multiple streams of, of funding. And just this year, we're going for, for the first time, we're seeking, uh, you know, some of the funding that would be due to us doing some of the things we do through the government. Right. Uh, but for the past seven years, it's been by donation basis only. The good people Very, of Cork. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, different different places, different people. And uh, they've been very, very generous to us and very kind to us. And that's how we've that's how we've maintained and stayed afloat on a shoestring budget. It's amazing what the volunteers have done and coming in every week, putting in the effort over. We logged in conservatively over 21,000 volunteer hours last year. Now, that's a conservative estimate. That's unreal. yeah, you couldn't survive without the, without those volunteers or without the That's donations right. from people and feedcork.com uh, if anybody would like to donate because you do your work quietly and a lot of it's done behind the scenes that, uh, and, and, and listen, respect to each and every one of you. You're a wonderful, wonderful organisation and unfortunately, you will, long may you continue because I think you are going to have to continue for quite some time uh, to come. Listen, Hamp, we'll, we'll certainly connect up with you again during the year but in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Okay, Patricia, have good a mor- good day. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Thanks. That is Hamp Searmans. What a great guy and with an incredible backstory himself, Director of Feed Cork. If you have a few bob and you'd like to donate, they are a great, great charity or if you'd like to volunteer in any way, you can find out all about it on feedcork.com. Just talking about the weather uh, and just warning people to be careful, particularly in sheltered areas that any frost or ice will be slow to clear. Well, I've had a text in from somebody who's living in the Ghouls Hill area of Mallow to say all the roads and the pavements in and out of our estate are absolutely frozen. Not a bit of gritting or salting going on, to particularly to help people to get out of the estate safely. The place is frozen. It's slippery and it's dangerous. So please be careful. And, you know, I know the gritters were out and they, they can't grit every single road. Unfortunately, they do all the main uh, roads and they do great work. They really do great work. And I mentioned this last week, those gritters go out in the very, very early hours of the morning and they're going out on roads that are not gritted at all but you'll always get areas particularly in large housing estates that they don't get to, to grit and it, and it can be very dangerous. I know there was a scheme whereby communities could get together and get a, you know, a salt bank 
delivered from the council. I don't know if that scheme is still in place and then it's up to the local people themselves to go out, you know, do some kind of a rotor where you'd go out, if there's, a, if there's a hill maybe in and out of your estate, somebody would go out and sprinkle the grit early in the morning and make it safe for others. I don't know if that scheme is still in place and if that's something that the good people of Goulds Hill could look into or not. But uh, stay safe and thank you for your uh, uh, text. And just let me stay on roads because Dan in Rathmore has been on to say over the weekend he heard, now he doesn't know for sure if this is if this is just a rumour or if this is something that's happening. He's heard that the N72 Mallard to Killarney Road is about to undertake major road work somewhere between Rathmore and Canturk. And it's going to happen. It's a major job because it's going to happen over 25 weeks, so a half a year. And it's due to start before the end of January. Dan and Rathmore scratching his head because he's heard nothing about it and he can't find out any information on it. And he's wondering if we could find out. And John Paul's done a quick search and certainly nothing instantly has popped up that there is works going on for 25 weeks. That that's a major job. Mallow to Killarney, particularly from Kentark to Rathmore. We'll see. We'll get onto the council and see if we can find out more for you, Dan. So stick with us on that. And thank you to the listener who was on to us last week. Last week, I don't know how it all came out, but we were we were doing things about post and people were getting late items late and there was problems with some posts, particularly posts coming out of uh, the UK. And that led to a listener who contacted us to say that she was waiting on a package from the US of A. Now, it was this was posted in December. So obviously a Christmas present. The idea was it would arrive in time for Christmas. Our listener ended up getting notification from on post to say that they had a package, but that there was duties due on it of 15 euro and 50 15 cent. So that was paid in on the 3rd of January, even though the parcel had been sent out early in December. So a month later, before this listener found out that she had to pay 15 euro and 15 cent, which she did pay. And then she was on to us last week to say, I still haven't heard anything. My package still hasn't arrived. I've paid the money. I've got a receipt to say I paid the money and nothing has happened. Now, we had a number of people contacted us to say, a bit of patience, hang in there. It will arrive. It does take, there's a period of time in between the duties being paid and the packages getting released. Anyway, delighted to say that she's been back on to us this morning to follow up on the text to say the parcel from Unpost from the US of A has finally arrived this morning. And on opening it, it is a Christmas bakery box. The weight of the Christmas cake in the tin. No wonder I was charged an extra 15 euro. And there goes my New Year diet out the window. And the listener has sent on photographs. There is a there is a plastic container that's got peanut brittle in it. God, mind your teeth on that. It looks rock hard. But then there is a round tin from the Collins Street Bakery and they have been bakers in Texas since 1896 and contained in that round Collins Street Bakery I'm assuming is one very weighty Christmas cake. (laughs) It's a little bit late for Christmas but enjoy every mouthful of it and as this says the New Year diet out the window but once the cake is gone you can get back on track. Enjoy but but thank you for giving us the follow up and it has arrived safely. 0818 03103 on uh, before I get to some comments in about the South Stock service uh, a listener has been on about going to her GP now this listener has a GP 
visit card. So she's entitled to go and see the GP for free. But obviously then if she needs prescriptions, she has to pay for those. But Anne says she recently had to go to the GP. She needed to get a form filled in. It was for the renewal of her driving licence. Now she has her GP visit card, so she assumes she wasn't going to be charged. When she was about to leave the GP practice, she was told €60 please, as it was a legal and binding document. Even though I have a GP only card, I still had to be charged. Have others been charged for this? Well, I did a quick check and if you go on to Citizens Information who list out what you are entitled to if you have a full medical card and what you're entitled to if you have a GP only card. And one of the things of the medical services that is not covered on either a full medical card or a GP only card and it says your GP does not have to provide the following services for free and one is to do with the eye test for the driving licence and obviously the subsequent filling in of the form. They also uh, can charge you for things like reports of life insurance and medical certs if you're absent, absent from work. It's up to individual GPs some GPs offer the service for free, but others don't. But they do say, they do say if it's a medical report uh, that you need and you're struggling, you can go to the Department of Social Protection. They may cover the fee. But of course, if you're going down that route, I'm assuming they'd send you to the community welfare officer. It would be a means tested. They'd look at, at everything. So I don't know if it's worth your while or not. But yes, um, have I heard it being charged before? I have. 60 euros seems a lot though to fill in a form That's the, that is the only thing I would have thought it would have been slightly lesser for a form because I know you know that lots of GP practices have started to charge for forms but 60 euros to me is the full cost of an appointment at the GP so I'm surprised to hear but that's obviously it's up to your individual GP remember they, were, they are run as businesses so you know, obviously that's what they have decided to uh, charge. 0818 103 103. We were discussing South Stock and in particular the South Stock service in uh, McCroom. Uh, Patricia, on the South Stock service, it is an out of hours service. It is an emergency service. The government are to blame for younger people leaving because they've railroaded doctors for years in unrealistic contracts, forcing them to work uh, huge workloads and then they've put added pressure by giving certain underage groups free GP, GP visit cards. Junior doctors in hospitals are treated the same and you wonder why these young medical doctors are leaving our shores. Uh, yeah, and I suppose the I go back again to that great piece that Dr. Con Kelleher, who's, who was one of the founding members of the South Stock Service in McCroom, set up. He did make the point, though, that if we have young students who go through, you know, all of the different um, courses that they need to do in order to become doctors, should they not stay in this country for a period of time by way of paying back the state? Because Stephen and Mallow is saying, where are all the university students with their masters and their full degrees studying to be the next doctors and the next consultants and specialists? How come they're not coming forward or are they allowed? Stephen and Mallow says all educated new doctors and nurses are going to other countries and it's those countries that are benefiting with all the Irish trained specialists. And that's exactly exactly what uh, Dr. Con Kelleher said in his piece to the uh, Corkman. You know, we are the Irish taxpayer are subsidising doctors who then go on to go and benefit the services of Australia or the UK or America. And it's the other 
medical services around the world are uh, benefiting. And we know, of course, we rely very heavily. I think it's 20% of our medical workforce are from doctors and nurses and physiotherapists and occupational therapists from overseas. We have to bring them into this country to keep our health service going. And actually, Dr. Khan made made, uh, the point that our lack of doctors draws doctors from poor countries, robbing them of their medical graduates. Uh, Even more, many taxpayers, often on modest wages, have pointed out that their children are unlikely to benefit from this this state benevolence. Fairness, honour and duty seems to me to be very much uh, missing and he talks in the article about how doctors of a previous generation all did, you know, huge hours, worked out of hours. It was very much a vocation. They saw it as a vocation. But unfortunately younger doctors today want a work-life balance and I suppose the argument is they're entitled to have a work-life balance and they don't want to work every hour that God sends and Southstock are saying they don't want to be in a position that they have to close various or limit the amount of appointments you can have at a South Stock service but they're saying it's purely down to the fact that they don't have enough doctors. 0818103103 and on a completely different topic Heidi says Morning Patricia I would like you to ask whenever you have a GP coming on your programme to put questions to them about what the people in rural Ireland get by paying their local property taxes every year as they have no pavements no lighting and some of the roads that lead to people's houses Houses in rural areas are in such a bad repair. Also, if you are lucky enough to have a bin collection in your area, you have to drag the bin up to the main road. So I ask, what are we paying, we in rural Ireland, what are we paying our local property tax for? It seems very unfair on oh so many levels. Keep warm society and indeed uh, keep warm yourself. Well, something I did see that will hopefully benefit rural uh, areas. Uh, This is from the Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys, former pubs, restaurants and bakeries uh, could be turned into community centres. It's part of a government scheme and it's it's aimed at breathing new life into towns and villages. The Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, she's provided £4.5 to communities all over the country to propose buying and restoring vacant buildings. Now, a total of 24 buildings, some of them included things like old schoolhouses, there was Garda Station used, parish halls, have all been renovated under the Town and Village Renewal Scheme. So Heather Humphreys is saying this initiative is about giving local communities the tools to address the challenges of vacancy and dereliction in their areas. Through this funding, she says, they're taking rundown buildings and turning them into facilities that will benefit communities for generations to come. And she says, by doing so, they will help to drive footfall into town centres or into village centres. It increases tourism and above all, it makes rural towns and villages even better places to live, to work, to invest, to visit and to raise a family. Now, under the scheme, it's the local authorities need to apply to the Department of Rural Community Development and they can get up half they can get up to half a million euro to purchase a derelict, derelict building and then they can then use the money to refurbish and bring it back into life. So let's hope that we see some of that funding come into villages and towns here in this uh, in in you know here in Cork because I'm sure everybody listening to me now would be able to name a derelict building in their area 
that could be used by the local community if it was refurbished. We unfortunately have too many derelict uh, buildings. So it is one scheme. The only thing is the fact that she's allocated 4.5 million and she says a local, you know, a local authority can get up to half a million. I mean, if nine local authorities come forward and take the half a million, that's the 4.5 million gone. So I think, you know, I think it's a successful scheme and there are examples of what has been done up in other uh, areas. And, and I think they're the type of schemes we need and maybe as Heidi is saying, where does the money from the local property tax, if some of the money from local property tax was being reinvested in an area, I don't think people would have any complaints about paying it every year. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. General operatives wanted for a busy wood packaging division in a factory in the Bandon area. CVs please to jobsisland2024 gmail.com wonderful donkey sanctuary in Lascaro. They've got vacancies for farm worker grooms applied through their website, which is thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk. Nazareth House in Mallow, they're recruiting healthcare assistants. You need to FeedTech Level 5 in older persons care. CVs to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. And Dramina Community Play School. They've got a vacancy for an AIMS support worker with a minimum of QQI Level 5 qualification. CVs to Dramina Community Play School at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now this coming Friday, an open public meeting by Alcoholics Anonymous will be held in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon at 8.30. And it's open to anyone who feels they have a problem with alcohol or maybe they live with the effects of somebody else's struggles with alcohol. To outline how Alcoholics Anonymous can help, I'm joined by Dave, who joins me this morning to share his story. Good morning to you, Dave. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And I want to say, firstly, thank you for this, as as the hope is by you sharing your story. It just might prompt somebody to reach out for help. So I suppose I need to take you back. When did you take your first drink? I suppose, um, Patricia, I took my first drink at 11 years of age. And uh, the reason I drank was to fit in with other people, really, to be honest with you, you know. Um, and the minute I picked up drink, it was like I arrived, you know. Um, it just gave me that feeling of able to fit in with people, able to talk to people, um, gave me false confidence, you know. And that, that's how I started drinking. And um, so, were, so, were, drink- so were you a very shy child? I wouldn't say I was shy, but I was definitely different, you know. I just felt completely different to anyone else, you know. And um, when, I, when I found drink, I suppose it just gave me a new dimension, really, of able to fit in with people. And um, it just, what I, what I was missing in my childhood, it just gave me straight away, you know. Eleven, though, seems, it will shock, I think, a number of people. That seems a very young age to start drinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really young, yeah, really, to be honest with you, you know. And, um I suppose all all my so-called people I was hanging around with were drinking, you know, and um, I just done it to fit in, starting off really professional. You know? Yeah, which is what, which is how a lot of us started drinking. It's 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 peer pressure. It's to be it's to be one. It, it was the cool the thing to do. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. the cool thing to do when I was growing up as a young fellow, you know. But how quickly did alcohol then become a problem for you? By 14 years of age, I was a full-blown alcoholic, Patricia. You know, um, my family would have been anti about my drinking and. 
I was sort of feeling my habit, you know, I would have started off the weekend drinking, you know, but I went into during the week drinking and um, I started robbing for my family at home and I suppose I, I Garrett started to come into my life and school teachers ran to me about my drinking and I used to be brilliant at sports growing up and um, I was slowly slipping out of my life at the age of 14. I was a full-blown alcoholic and um, I would have went to my first treatment centre at the age of 14 um, up in Kilkenny um, and I suppose, you know, I would have went up there for a day and I suppose people thought it, my parents probably thought it would scare me, you know, and, and I'd see since, and um, I lasted a day out there, and I, I swore Patricia that day that I'd never again drink when I left that treatment centre, you know, but I might have went to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I probably went in there, and I thought, load of older people, this isn't for me, and I might have got two or three months off drink, but I went back drinking, and my life just completely spiralled out of control from there, really. And what was your drink of choice? Um, I would have drank anything, Patricia. Would have been starting off in Dutch Gold and Tuberg and Fat Frogs, and it would have ended up with vodka, really. And large amounts you needed every day. Yeah, I like any time I went drinking, I, I drank to get I drank to get drunk. You know, um, every every time I drank, really, I got drunk. And um, when I had one drink, I had no control over it. You know, I, I I was different from a young age, really. Like you know, at fourteen years of age, if you were going out to the boiler room in Clannacilty, it was a teenage disco. You know, I'd be the first fellow drinking. And I never wanted to go home and I was drinking, Patricia, you know. I never wanted to go home. I just wanted to drink and drink and escape reality, really, and how I was really feeling, you know. And did you have blackouts and would wake up and didn't oh, know where you were? constantly blackouts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hospitalizations would have come into it after my... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Junior cert, I would have um, I would have drank two flagons and six cans and I ended up in hospital for alcohol poisoning. You know, I was found unconscious and in, 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 a, in a street in Bandon and um, that would have been my first hospitalisation, you know. So um, everybody was on to me about my drinking, Patricia, but I could never see that I had a problem with drink, you know. If I'm being completely honest with you, I thought I had a psychiatric illness. I said if a doctor gave me a tablet to make me happy, you know, I would have took it like, you know, but I, I, I really believed there was something wrong with me, you know, but what was wrong with me was a drink problem. Like. And that, that time that you ended up in, in hospital for alcohol poisoning, when, when you came out of hospital, I mean, what, what, how did you feel? I suppose I felt ashamed, really, like, you know, this is the way I was ending up, like, and I suppose I brought an awful lot of shame to my family and stuff, you know, but I, I suppose, you know, I, I like... I, I swore that I, I wouldn't have drank again, Patricia, like, you know, and, I, like, I felt awful, really, like, you know, but, like, I'd no defence against drink, like, you know, when it's a calling for drink, come, I had to go to have it, you know, um, and that's the way it was, really, for a long time. Did you lose friends because of it? Um, yeah, I, I would have grown up with a good circle, um, and they all had to leave me because they used to say, Adrian, after one drink, your personality changes into a Jacqueline Hyde, like, you know. Um, I could be going to, I could be your best friend one minute, I could be going to hit you the next minute, you know. Um, and it was just an awful existence, really. And as you say, your your family did everything 
that they could absolutely everything help. in their power like to be honest with you Patricia like without my family I don't think I, I'd be sober today you know they they paid for treatment centres for me counselling growing up you know um, they, they were a great support to me really like you know and um, I made their lives hell um, I made their lives hell I was very violent coming down off drink or after drink you know um, my mother definitely had sleepless nights wondering was I going to come home or where I was you know I wouldn't answer the phone to her you know like when I picked up a drink, I could end it up anywhere, you know. And they, she, she lived with that every night, wondering where you were and were you going yeah, to come yeah. home? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, how how low did, how low did you go? How low did you actually go? Um, I ended up I, I ended up in the streets of Cork for a while, Patricia. Um, I ended up homeless. My parents couldn't do anything for me; they had to get a bearing order against me, you know. And family law courts were coming into it, and like. Looking back, and it's what they had to do. They had to mind themselves, you know. And I would end up in the streets of Cork with that boy in the College of Con, um, over in the bridge there with a bottle of vodka and doing other things. And um, I see no way out, really, if I'm being completely honest with you, you know. And well, like I, I, I lived in health board houses growing up and in no the foster care and stuff like that. And um, I could, I, I could never see that it was drink was a problem. I blamed my mother and father. I blamed the tongue. I blamed the people I was hanging around with. But the common denominator problem was that it was me. You know, um, it was alcohol. You, you were, yeah. you were addicted to alcohol. So when, alcohol. when did your road to recovery then finally begin? Um, I suppose I was twenty-one, and um, if the last two years of my drinking were horrific, and um, I couldn't wash myself, Patricia, I was riddled with paranoia. I was riddled with fear. I'd look myself in the mirror and I would hate what I became like, you know. I absolutely despised what I became. Um, I couldn't walk up the main street. I was paranoid. I, like, the drinking had stopped working at this stage and all I wanted to do, Patricia, was die, you know. And I would suicide attempts when I came into it. And um, I would have went drinking this one weekend in, 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 in my hometown and um, I ended up with people that I thought I'd never end up with if I'm completely honest in the early morning house in my town. And... Um, I drank that through that day and I went to a house party. And for the first time ever in my life, Patricia, I could not finish the drink. I knew the drinking was over. I couldn't finish the drink. I was sitting in the corner of a house party where normally I used to be life from the soul, but it was after wiping the life from the soul out of me. And uh, I walked out of that house and I went into my flat in Bandon and um, I rang my mother, who always had a soft spot for me, and I said, this is it, man, I, I, I can't do it no more, you know. And I spent two or three days in bed, and they speak about the DTs and the rats, and um, the walls were talking to me. I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink, um, and I just wanted to die, and I tried killing myself. And um, I woke up out of a coma inside COH, and what they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, every alcoholic gets a spiritual awakening, you know. And, and my spiritual awakening that night was knowing that I had to stop drinking. And... Um, I came out of that hospital and I went back to my local meeting in Bandon and I said to a member that would have been very good to me, you know, that basically that I wanted to stop drinking. And the difference was, Patricia, I was willing to go to any lengths to get off drink, you know. I was willing to go to any lengths to get sober. And I went into my seventh treatment centre um, in Tabor Lodge and I'd done my 28 days there. That was fine. But the real work started when I came back into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was 21 years of age. I thought my life was over, but little did I know it was only beginning, you know. And um, people in the Bandon group really brought me back to life, Patricia, really, you know. And I couldn't say half enough about every member up there. They saved my life, like. Um, and I thought my life was over sitting at home on a Friday night watching the late HO after coming out of an A meeting um, with my parents. And I said, is this what life's about, you know. But I've um, 
since I came into AA, I suppose, you know, I've achieved so much and putting down the drink I found very difficult and changing my friends, but I was left with hardly anyone friends, not, not able to go out and do the normal things as a 21-year-old boy, go to the nightclubs and have the bit of crack with the lads. I couldn't do that anymore, Patricia, to concentrate my sobriety. And I couldn't hold a job then when I was drinking. And for the first two years in A, all I could do was concentrate and go into meetings of A, like, you know, um, and uh, just staying away from a drink for one day, really, like, you know. One um, day at a time. One, one, yeah, day, one, one day, day at a time. time. And what what is it about AA, Dave, that worked for you and works for so many others? Well, really, what, what I could say really is it, it works if you want if you want it, Patricia. If you want to stop drinking, Alcoholics Anonymous can teach you how to live without a drink for one day, you know. Um, it's given me so much and it's given my family so much and it's given thousands of others, like, you know, I could tell you how much it's after growing in Bandon alone, you know. It's 50, 54 years going in Bandon, right? And there were six people at the first meeting and we could have 25 to 30 people at a meeting now, you know. It's worked for me and it's worked for thousands of others. Like, w- Would you be very unusual in that you were so, so young? Like 21 seems very young to be. Well, when I when I first came into it, I was the youngest boy there and I suppose that the older men in the room looked after me and brought me into their house and... Show, loved me back to life, Patricia, you know, but nowadays yeah. it, it, it's a lot younger than 21 coming in. You know, it, it, it's a huge problem, really. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah, it just shows you how, how bad um, once alcohol gets a grip. Um, and, and, OK, outline to me what happens at a typical open meeting, like the one that's going to happen in, in Bandon on Friday. On Friday night, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, Patricia, um, we're hoping for a massive crowd. So um, we're hoping that anyone is welcome, as you said yourself, you know, we're uh, at an open public meeting, what happens? Um, we have two members of A speaking. We'll have one member of Anlon and we have Dr. Joanne Gaynor in Bandon as well speaking. Um, she's going to give a brief history. Um basically about how she sees the effects of drinking and stuff like that, you know. But people will basically tell their stories and how Alcoholics Anonymous saved their lives, basically, and how they stayed away from a drink for one day. And we'll have a member of Alan telling how their life was affected by the alcoholic. Yeah, and Alan on is, is for family members who, who live with That's somebody, it, yeah. or friends. Of, of, and, yeah. and, and it's an open public meeting, so anyone who's been affected in any way by alcohol, plus professionals, obviously, uh, very welcome. We're hoping to have a big crowd of professionals. To, there, to yeah. come along half eight, and you simply turn up uh, to the Munster Arms Hotel. And, and Dave... What is life like for you today? I have a fantastic life, Patricia. Um, you know, I, I'm working in a full-time job. Um, I have a beautiful partner in my life. Um, I have a child that I'm able to be a father to that she's never seen me drinking. I'm able to be a son to my mother and father. Um, you know, it, life is fantastic, really, you know. Um, and it's all from going to meetings of Alcoholics and Amnesty Abandoned Group saved my life, really, to be honest with you, you know. And I'd like to say one thing, Patricia, if there's anyone listening, you know, there is always hope when even you're at your lowest point of your life, you know, reach out, there's help there, you know, there really is. And, and it's possible to stay away from drink, you know, by going to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. Uh, you have a powerful story uh, to tell, uh, Dave. Have you ever considered writing a book? 
<laughs> a great, I could write six of them. Yeah, there's a great story. <laughs> one on there. recovery and, and one on my drinking story. Yeah, I could there's, write six of them. There's a great story. And and, and thinking of your parents and, and your mum in particular, just so yeah. happy to have you back, to have the Dave back. Yeah, yeah. Who was, you yeah, know, the little yeah, boy. Reborn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The little baby they brought home. Nobody wants a life like that for their child, uh, for sure. Yeah. Listen, you're, you're a credit... You're a credit to yourself because, I, and I know you're, you're pointing the finger very much to the members of, of Alcoholics Anonymous and Bandon who are a terrific uh, group. Unbelievable. But yeah. you, had to, like you, you had to do the work yourself as well, Dave. So You so, do, you do, you do. So you're a credit what, to what yourself. You, what you put into your recovery, you get out of it. Okay. Listen, continue yeah. good luck on, on that journey of recovery. And thanks for having me on, Patricia. We well, appreciate well, it. Thank it you. was my pleasure. Thank you for that. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Here. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Dave sharing his story of recovery. If you've been affected in any way and you're in the Bandon area and would like to go along to that open public meeting, please pop along next uh, Friday at uh, half past eight in the Munster Arms Hotel and I will make a note of reminding listeners of that again uh, later on in the week and thanks to David it isn't an easy story to uh, share but I think he shared it very well. And time for our monthly insurance uh, slot, Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance Group joining me. Uh, Good morning to you Paul. Good morning, Patricia, and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. And many happy returns. Now, we were talking about Uber. um, And the reason we brought up Uber was people were complaining that particularly over Christmas in some of the county towns, there was a huge problem trying to get a taxi to go home. And there's a knock-on effect in that it's affecting businesses. And God knows we're seeing businesses close all over the the place. But people saying they're not able to socialise because they can't get a taxi. That then led to people saying, why don't we bring Uber into this uh, country? So, and then a number of people, when we spoke about Uber, said, what about the insurance implications? So that's where you're coming at uh, this. What, what is your view on Uber and could you ever see it being introduced into this country? OK, first of all, my view on Uber is I love it. I've uh, had it in uh, Germany uh, in, and in Portugal. Absolutely fantastic system. So that's the first thing. Let's get that out of the way. Second thing, why don't we have it in this country? There's a couple of reasons. First of all, the taxi lobby don't want it, but the main reason is the law. And to get anything changed for Uber, we need to change the law, and more particularly the Road Traffic Act. So currently, if you wanted to operate an Uber car, uh, and there are some operating, but they're taxis, right? So h- here's why. You must have a full Irish or EU driving license. That's number one. You must have a valid small public service vehicle driver's license, which you apply via the Gardaí, checks out who you are, what you are, etc. They must then say that you're eligible for it. Thirdly, and you probably have to do a test as well uh, in in relation to that, about a theory test as to how you get from one, say, for example, if somebody said, I want to go from Cork Airport to West Cork, how do they get there? That's that's what the type of test involves. Then the vehicle, the taxi, the hackney or the limousine vehicle, whatever the vehicle is, has to have an SPSV, small public service vehicle, license. And the guardie, there's, a, there's an officer here in Cork in Anglesey Street who looks after all that. The vehicle is tested by them. Nothing at all to do with the NCT. This is a separate test on top of that. Uh, and then, of course, you must have your insurance. Currently, that insurance, the only insurance they will accept is the taxi insurance, the limousine, uh, or, or the hackney-type insurance. And they are all multiples of what a car insurance is currently because you're carrying people for hire and reward. So there will have to be a major change by the government, by the taxi lobby, and then 
as well by the insurance companies to reduce the prices down. All doable, but it's going to take a bit of work. Yeah, and while people are saying exactly what you said at the start, I've used Uber in another country, you know, it's it's a no-brainer, why don't we introduce it here? The laws and the rules are different in other countries. We would have to, it needs legislation changes here. We need the government to move on this. We need the government to move, and, and I know that there was a, a move last year, uh, and Eamon Ryan was looking at something, but it was only in relation to a hackney. There was some type of a special thing and there was a test going on. Love to hear the results of that the next time. Yeah, we're still trying to because we did the initial interview about this. It's the Pilot Hackney service. I think it was in Newmarket here in Cork uh, was where it was uh, set up. I think it was one area around the country but seemingly the the take up of interest in it I know was very low the last time we looked into it. Definitely the one year is up. The Pilot is up um, but we've heard nothing yet but we are still trying to get as much information on that as we can. Because, Paul, there is an issue with lack of taxis. Oh, totally. Uh, from my, as where I live, is very badly served. And, I mean, you can't go for a night out without having, uh, if you're going to have a few drinks, to book something home. You, you, you won't get it on the spur of the moment. Mm. Not a chance. So you need to pre-book everything. Uh, and that's where the Uber would come in very handy because that's how Uber works. You ring the Uber number. They, they, they pick out where are you. They then give you the, the driver, they tell you who's coming, and then you contract the driver coming to you. It's And very safe. So, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think it could be easily brought into this country, but it needs, we need to put heads together. We, need, politi- we need political will. We need political and will. Totally and then, political. Totally and, political. And then, unfortunately, we're seeing hospitality, we're seeing restaurants close, and we're going to see more restaurants close because they don't have the footfall. Correct. And what a number of restaurants and bars are doing is, is that the proprietor is driving some of the patrons home. Yeah. And that is, you know, that is a way around it. You know, no higher and reward involved. You're just taking a few people home, giving me a spin home. That is perfectly legitimate. I've even heard of people having uh, minibuses doing it. So, you know, it, it can be done. Yeah. Okay, just on other insurance topics then. Just one that came up um, last week, the day before, when we were talking about the people who were flooded with Storm Babette uh, down in Middleton and the East Cork area. Some of them are still struggling, uh, Paul, to get payouts on their insurance companies. Do insurance companies take an awfully long time to pay out after a major event like that? They shouldn't because it was perfectly clear what happened. The, the only reason that I could put on that would be that if, if the documentation wasn't in order or if the claim wasn't being fulfilled properly, i.e. that all the documentation wasn't available and work, you were waiting on work to be done. But in the normal circumstances, there would be an initial payment made. I know of one particular case where an initial payment of 20000 was paid out to the householder and then the as the work was done and VAT receipts, that's very important, Insurance companies do not pay handwritten normal receipts. They only pay VAT receipts. So you have to make sure that your VAT is paid and all that. So there could be little uh, situations like that. Um, I would have advocated at the time, as you remember, I would have said get a loss assessor involved, a public loss assessor who will work for you, do all the donkey work, get all the receipts, get everything together, and that just takes a huge amount of work. Yes, you have to pay them, but... It takes away all the burden out of the claim and anyone that uses a public loss assessor is always singing their praises afterwards for the magnificent job that they do because they're up against the 
public. That's a adjuster who is working for the insurance company 100%. So always remember that. Okay. Get your own, hire your own public loss assessor. And then for those, we had a number of them, a number of people contact us, you know, they've been out of their homes, they were out of their homes in, at, even at Christmas and families divided, children are staying with one relative, parents are staying somewhere else. I mean, it's just horrible situation that they find themselves in. And these are the people who, who had flood insurance they won't get flood insurance again. No, they won't. Yeah. You can, you can take that as read, unfortunately, that uh, anybody that had flood insurance and makes a claim, you will not get insurance. And I have, I've been there, done that, so I can advocate for it. Uh, from from in, you can talk to any of the people in Mellow, Clonmel, you know, Dungarvan, or, uh, any place where there's been a flood, uh, Skibbereen, Conicilty, been there, done that, your flood insurance will be taken from you. And that's as simple as we can put it. Um, I don't agree with it, but that's the way it is. And we have flood defences now in Mallow, Skibbereen, uh, Formoy, Clonmel, and we still can't get flood insurance. I know, that's that's the one that really annoys people, all that money well, that we're spending. We're fighting that on a national yeah. level. And well done. Sean, Deputy Sean Sherlock there has has brought me to the Dáil Oireachtas Committees, I've been to the Department, Central Bank, you name it. Uh, the National Flood Forum. I'm a member of that, and we we are, we are. I'm like the patron saint of flooded people, uh, and we're doing our best uh, every time. But once again, we're trying to bang heads, and uh, we will be making a, a major election issue out of it. Great. Okay. And just very finally, we we had a call in from a listener. I am always of the belief that this is an urban myth to say our neighbour crashed her car this morning. What shocked me was that when she got onto her insurance company, they said the records showed she didn't have a current NCT and therefore she was. Wasn't insured. Is that true or not true? Well, we don't. First of all, we're only, we're only working on what you're reading out to me there. Uh, if she hadn't applied for her NCT, and you'll recall, I, on every program I was on there last year, when we had the difficulty with the NCT, I was telling, book your NCT. It doesn't make any difference what, what date you get. You can get a date for for, for for next July. Book it now. Get get your uh, 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 copy of of showing that you are down forward next July yeah. and put it on the windscreen so that you can show the guard, show your insurance company. And then and you're covered. And then you're covered. But, but if, if you've you got, a, if, that, yeah, if you have a person who's deliberately avoiding getting their NCT and using the excuse, you, oh, there's, right. the, there, there's delays, if you can't prove that you've tried to get it, then your insurance right. won't cover you. The insurance will not pay the damage to your car, number one, which I'm assuming when I, when I heard you saying that. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what it was in the first instance. If there is somebody injured, it would have to be dealt with under the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland. Yeah, OK. Just something you don't want to be dealing with. OK, either. but so I just, I just don't, want to, fr- yeah, I don't want to frighten people who are driving without NCT on their car, but they have an appointment. You are covered once you have that appointment. OK. Absolutely. And the last thing, uh, Patricia, uh, in view of what's happened in, in the last two weeks, get your CO2 alarm anywhere, Chadwick's, Co-op, Tusbrines, wherever, just get your CO2, carbon monoxide, is a silent killer. Yeah, they save lives for sure. Okay, listen, Paul, thank you for that. Uh, We'll talk again next month. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance. Best of luck, please. To St. Oliver Plunkett's, they're representing Cork against Drummond Inch from Tipperary. It's in the Munster Junior Hurling 
Championship fe- semi-final. The match will be played next Saturday in Kilidi in County Limerick. So it would be nice if a big crowd turned out to support them as well. So best of luck to send Oliver Plunkett's in the semi-final next uh, Saturday. And someone else is on to say, does anybody know, is Kilbrin Bingo on tonight? Anybody know if Kilbrin Bingo is on tonight? I'm just looking at our community diary and it isn't listed in our community diary here. So if anybody's involved with Kilbrin Bingo, is it on or off tonight, please? Can you let us know? Now, some of your calls and comments and emails. Don't forget the emails. You can email 24-7 Cork today at c103.ie. Firstly, um, some reaction to Dave, who joined us to share his story of sobriety and how AA has helped him. And he's doing it in the hope that people might go along to an open public meeting that's going to be held in Bandon next Friday. Listen, says Patricia, wonderful interview with that young man, Dave, about AA. He truly is an inspiration. There is a shocking alcohol problem in this country and a massive social acceptance of drinking to excess. Coming out of the Christmas season, it was frightening having seen the excess of alcohol right over the festive period. If you didn't get drunk, it was like, there must be something wrong with you. Why is this lethally Lethal, highly addictive drug everywhere we look. And why are you looked at strangely if you don't partake? Abstinence is freedom. And there's no name on that. But yeah, and listening to Dave, how he has changed his life around and he would agree that abstinence is freedom. He's got a freedom and a love of life. And as he says, if he'd stayed on the path he was on, uh, he wouldn't be here today, let's be honest. And it was just, what really got to me was how young and how quickly he got, he fell into that world of uh, addiction and, and a family. Oh, would you love to speak with his parents and his, his poor mother? The, what his parents went through in trying to help him and doing everything that they could. But until the addict decides that they need the help themselves. And that's very much came out of Dave's story. I'd love him to write a book. I think there's a great book uh, in him. And Anthony said, I lost an uncle to alcohol. He was just 48. He was one of the most inspirational men and I will never forget him. He always used to say, follow your dreams. What an amazing guy Dave was. And I'm so proud that I was tuned in this morning to hear his uh, story and uh, all of the friends that he has met in those AA groups. They're all on the same page. They're all on the same journey. I'm sending wellness to each and every one of them. And that's from Anthony. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Now, I mentioned salt earlier when we were talking about the grishing of the roads and we had somebody on from uh, Goulds Hill, a housing estate in Mallow, to say that their area was lethal. And I was wondering, could you know somebody in the estate get onto the council and see, could salt be left out for them and the, the, the neighbours themselves you know, the local residents association could maybe organise a rota to get the salt put out, particularly if there's any area with any slight of a dip or a hill. And I was wondering, do the council, because I know they were doing it at one stage, we had a number of calls in from the city to say that the city council will leave a bag of salt out at a housing estate and then it's up to the residents to put out the salt, because obviously the grishers can't get into every area. I think everybody accepts that. I don't know if the county council does it or not, but maybe if you ring your local council office, you could find out. Oh eight one eight. 103103. We were talking about Uber and the Uber service 
again on the programme this morning uh, and this time with Paul Kavanagh with regard to the insurance end of it but even Paul himself as somebody who's used Uber around the world can't understand but we need legis- we would need a change in legislation from the government in order for it to operate well that prompted somebody to say I'm a female I lived in London for many years and I would never ever get an Uber cab a lot of the drivers are illegal no insurance they're not licensed and they're a danger as many as not mo- monitored for background checks etc all of the black cabs in London. That's what you need to use if you're female visiting London. The licensed black cabs all the way. Well, all I can say there is if they are registered with Uber and they operate under the Uber app, then they all have background uh, checks because when we spoke about Uber last week or the week before, I, I did a lot of research and a lot of checks on uh, Uber and in order to drive an Uber car uh, or to be on their their app and for you to book through their app then you're wrong. They all have to have proper insurance. They all have to be licensed. They all have to have background checks. So I don't know where you get the, the information on that. And I've certainly used Uber uh, in, in in London, actually. And I've used Uber around the world and there's never, ever been uh, an issue with it. Now, that's not to say that there won't be rogue uh, drivers around the place, but the same as could be said for Hackney and taxi drivers uh, as well. Mary in the city, this is on the health service. And I'm assuming this is prompted when we're talking about the lack of GPs and we're talking about the problems people have with the with the South Dock service, particularly in McCroom. Mary listening to us in the city said, I feel the health service needs to be changed and modern modernized. It needs to be shaken up from top to bottom. There are many people who are going into hospitals who don't need to be going into hospitals. We need to streamline the whole system. But how many times have we have we tried to do shake ups, Mary, with our with our health system, with the old, old health boards, we got rid of the, the old health boards. The HSE uh, came in. There's money just poured into the service, but it just, we seem to then constantly have delays and longer waiting lists, etc. And just, can I just stay on the HSE for this morning for a moment? Because I, before I came on air, I go through the papers and I was looking at, um, this was a this was a piece I read in the Irish Times that kind of made me thought, oh God, with everything that's going on with the health service, with the last thing we need them doing is wasting any money. And it's seemingly, it's, it's Harry McGee, the political correspondent with the Times. He said, the HSE, I hope you're sitting down now for this, the HSE is spending almost 5.5 million euro every year. On what? The storage of personal protective equipment, the PPE gear, the things like the gowns and the face masks on storing it. It seemingly was a response to a query raised by the Public Accounts Committee at a meeting in October and the Chief Executive, Bernard Gloucester of the HSE, wrote back to the PAC and disclosed that the HSE has outsourced the storage of PPE to three companies at an annual cost of just under €5.5 million. I straight away would question why have they outsourced it? It just seems like a huge sum of money. Three companies in total. One company is called JMC. They were paid half the total amount, 2.5 million. A second company, BPL, they got 1.6 million. And the third storage company is EKO. I've never heard of any of these companies, by the way. Nothing wrong with these companies, legitimate companies. They're doing a job. They got 1.28 million. Now, the HSE responding to the Times says the sum covers the annual, this is annual, the annual cost for storage and distribution of PPE to all 
healthcare facilities nationwide, including acute and community settings. Now, by the way, it doesn't cover the cost of purchasing the PPE gear. So the PPE gear has to be bought first and then it has to be stored and then it gets redistributed out. And that's where the five... 0.5 million is spent every year. Now, what's in the PPE inventory? It includes things like hand gel, gloves, face masks, face shields and gowns, which are purchased, they say, on an ongoing basis. And obviously they need to be in order to supply the facilities. The cost also includes storage and distribution of needles and syringes, which were used for the COVID-19 vaccination, together with the antigen and the PCR tests, which were supplied for use across the HSE. It also confirmed, by the way, that the storage of the ventilators was not included in the cost provided because we have, an, we have a huge number of ventilators that are also in storage that I take it are never going to be used but there's an ongoing storage bill. But the piece that really got to me from the Public Accounts Committee was in a separate briefing for the PAC meeting uh, in early October the HSE said it continued to incur storage costs in respect of obsolete stock of PPE and the annual cost of storing obsolete stock was 1.7 million euro and you just think okay obsolete stock so obsolete gowns masks gel get rid of it you know what I mean if it's obsolete I'm assuming that the HSE has decided they're never going to use it again could it not be given to third world countries I mean I'm thinking what does obsolete stock actually mean I mean surely a face mask or a gown can't go out of date. I know at one stage they got gowns and they were they, the, the sleeves of them were too short. Remember the ones that came in from China on one of the Aer Lingus planes and they were made for people of smaller height and there was a problem with that. But surely there's third world countries that could use them. But to be paying 1.7 million to store something that they're now accepting is obsolete seems absolutely bizarre to me. 0818103103. John Paul continues to take your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Now, short community education courses on personal development and managing stress in our daily lives will be held in the Kayla Family Resource Centre in Mallow. Now, they're beginning at the end of the month, Tuesday the 30th of January, and they'll run over eight weeks up to March the 27th. The courses offer the chance to learn about yourself, how to relate to others. If either of these courses are of interest to you, then you can contact Norma Roach on 085 861 9468. The Mallow Field Club will have a lecture on Lord Castletown from 1848 to 1937. It'll be held tomorrow, Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Mallow Social Services Centre and admission is just €5. And the Mallow Men's Shed, they meet every Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays from 2 to 5 in the afternoon. It's at the rear of La Family Centre on Fair Street in Mallow. New members are always welcome to come along and uh, meet up with the Shed Group at any time. And also tomorrow, Tuesday, Annam Cara will hold their West Cork meeting in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. 7.15 start. They welcome all bereaved parents, regardless of the age of the child or the circumstances of the death. Now, no registration is required, but if you'd like further details, you can ring Annam Cara 085 288888 or you can email info at annamcara.ie. 
Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And Michael by text saying, Hi Patricia, I'm just listening to you on the amount of money that has been spent on the storage of the, P- the PPE gear, particularly the obsolete PPE gear, 1.7 million every year. That has got Michael thinking. Uh, are we still paying for the storage of the famous voting machines? Remember that saga? I will look into that and check it out. thought at one stage they were talking about selling them off. But I remember there was a huge amount of money in the storage of them and they needed very specialised uh, storing and protection of them so that they couldn't be tampered with. Leave it with us and we'll see if we can find out an answer on that one, uh, Michael. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103. Now, doctors and lack of doctors in this country, particularly GPs, Hi Patricia, re-third level education subsidies and the graduate emigration and the graduates then emigrating without working in Ireland first. Ireland needs to set up a scheme where graduates have to work in Ireland for so many years in order to pay back that third level subsidised education or if they decide to opt to leave then they need to pay the money back monetarily. There would need to be exceptions obviously for example certain jobs that are simply not available but a system such as a student tracked interest free loans could exist which would be paid off as one worked in Ireland. I've been wondering for years uh, whether anyone else would consider this kind regards Robert from West Cork it's come up on this programme countless times uh, uh, Robert uh, it really has. Uh, Hi Patricia I hear that the price of a postage stamp is going to increase from the 1st of February yeah we actually discussed it last Friday on the programme it's going up by 5 cent but when we looked into it on post say there's still when you compare the cost of a standard stamp across the UK and across Europe we're still one of the cheapest but yes it's going up by 5 cent from the 1st of uh, February Stay with post. Hi, Patricia. I received notification from a post similar to the listener that you spoke about last week. It was early in December. I was asked to pay customs duty on a package from the U- the US. I duly paid the duty, and now they have no idea where the package is. Oh. Goodness me, that really is frustrating. Hang in there, hang in there, because as I say, we had our our listener who last week was getting very frustrated because the package wasn't arriving and it did arrive. But you seem to have a slightly different problem. How does the package suddenly go missing? 0818 103 103. Uh, Anybody offer any bit of advice to this uh, listener, John? Now, John said, I left a job to move to another company. I'm lucky that I'm on a panel for one year with the new company. But on moving to the new company, I was told I would need Garda vetting. Now, unfortunately, there are delays with Garda vetting. Hence, I've left one job and I can't start my new job until I get this Garda vetting. As I'm not working, I was unaware that I would be entitled to job seekers allowance. So I went along to the Social Welfare Department who gave me all the forms and then advised me that yes, you are entitled from when you left the other job while waiting to start the new job and you will get back pay. Anyway, I went along, filled out all of the forms, but that was then in told I'm not entitled to back pay as I was four days over the threshold when it came to back pay, even though I was told in my local social welfare office I would get it. I've been living off crumbs over Christmas with absolutely no money coming in. This is my first time to ever deal with the Department of Social Welfare. I have worked all of my life. I've tried TDs, etc., but no one can help me. For me, I feel as if I don't know how the social welfare system works 
because I've worked all my life and because of that I'm now being penalised. If I knew how the system had worked it would have been easier for for me but because I was employed all of my life I'm unfamiliar with that system. Have others been in the situation particularly while waiting for guard the vetting? And actually that's it. I, and I'm assuming what may have spurred that John to contact us was when I was talking with um, that gentleman Hamp from the food bank service in Cork, Feed Cork. He was saying what the volunteers have started doing there, families that are coming to them for help when they sit down and chat with them. It turns out some of those families are entitled to other benefits and services that they were unaware of and the volunteers are helping them to get the forms, helping them fill in the forms and that they're entitled to more money than they're actually getting and that's kind of a similar story to John and yes, you've worked all of your life so of course why, of course, you wouldn't know anything about the social welfare system. There are others who have been on social welfare all of their lives and could literally tell you every single scheme that is available but that's a different cohort of people. So yes, my heart goes out uh, to you and Anybody else fall into that situation, caught between two stools, out of one job, going to another job, but can't go into the other job until the guard, the vetting has, takes place and then wasn't aware that he should have been signing on. And if he was signing on, he would have been getting benefits. 0818103103. And then I want to bring you an email that came into Cork today at c103.ie and this is reacting to the listener who contacted us earlier this morning who was very, very annoyed that they had gone into their GP. It's somebody who has a doctor's, a GP visit card. So they're entitled to go to the GP for free. But this listener needed to get the form filled in in order to renew her driving licence. It was Anne. So she went into the doctor, got the form filled in and then as she was leaving the GP practice she was told that 60 euro please and she was kind of taken aback. Couldn't believe that she was been asked to pay 60 euro but they were told no, that's what it is. For forms that are filled in, legal and binding documents you have to pay the 60 euro and she was wondering had others been charged uh, for it and then we heard from some people were charged, others were not. It depends on the individual GP practice. Well that has prompted somebody uh, to say, by the way Patricia, this is Noreen has contacted us to say, Patricia, it's not just a letter that the doctor has to provide. The reason I know this, I had to go in and have have the same form filled in just last week. Now, the doctor took my blood pressure and then tested my eyes. And that, of course, is the primary reason that you go into the doctor to have that form uh, filled in. And I am sure that she also took a bit of notice of my mental state to see if I was still capable of driving. That rant in from that lady and complaining about having to pay the €60 is off the wall. This year, those of us on social welfare and particularly those of us over a certain age got two double pension payments, €350 deductions from our electricity bill. If this was younger people complaining, I would put it down to a lack of experience. But if you're getting a free driver's licence, you should have achieved some level of cop-on by now. If that woman is having a kick-up about the doctor's fee, maybe she should demand a free bottle of Bacardi from me every week also, as it's necessary for my well-being like. No end to it, girl, says Noreen, who says that some older people just giving out for the sake of it. You should be happy that you're getting a free driver's licence and just pay the doctor. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Okay, I'm going to take a very quick break. And then when, oh, I'm not. Am I going to, am I going to 
a call now? I'm not. No, we're going to take a quick, very quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about yoga. Annalise Dressel is on having a bit of a holiday at the moment. So when we come back, we are going to be talking. Is Sorry, am I doing that now, Carmel? I am. Sorry, I'm going to a phone call first on line one. Uh, where Carmel joins me from uh, Crosshaven. Uh, good morning, Carmel. Good morning, Patricia. I was just listening to your comments about all this money that's been spent on storing all this PP. And as you also said, what happened to the voting machines that cost millions? Well, I just happened to be quite ill last week and I had to go to a I was only in you know, like a day and a half. But I think the money should be given to the doctors and nurses the work they do, they're so dedicated. I just don't know how they do it. They are absolutely wonderful. How, how busy How busy was the A&E department the day you were in? I was on trolley. It didn't bother me. I was quite comfortable. But it was quite busy. I don't know how many uh, people were on trolley, but they were very, very busy. Very, with emergencies coming all the time. Uh, how, long, how long were you on the trolley for? Overnight, just a, a day overnight. Tonight, okay. Just a and tonight. did you come home then, or did you, you didn't need to be admitted? Oh, no, I came home. I came home. Okay. I was okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Once I got my treatment, I was able to come home. Okay. But I'm just saying, what did you? I it opened my eyes. I couldn't believe the running round. They need roller skates to run round. That's just for people. And they had emergencies coming in. They had an emergency coming with a small tiny baby and. You know, to see the people coming in and, and they're trying to look after everybody. I think they're so dedicated. They should get a massive pay rise in my eyes. Okay. In my eyes. Okay, anyone who goes through the system will say the same thing. All right, Carmel, listen, uh, stay healthy and thanks for joining us. That is uh, Carmel in uh, Crosshaven, 0818103103. Hi, Patricia, here you're talking about the PPE storage and the voting machines. Well, I still have my little orange box of tablets ready for a nuclear war. Remember the ones they sent out to us, the iodine tablets many years ago? I think they probably poisoned us more than the bomb attack itself at this stage, says Sheila. That's funny, Sheila, I was only cleaning out a cupboard at the weekend and my iodine tablets purely because <laughs> I, I know they're well out of date even though last time we checked them even though they're out of date we were told those iodine tablets are still okay I'm just keeping them for posterity if nothing else so many people have their iodine tablets that came in the orange box we got a box per, for everyone in the house wasn't wasn't that what it was and we were told to hang on to it and in case there was some kind of a nuclear attack we would be alerted and we'd all have to reach for our orange boxes and take our iodine tablets. But you're right, I don't know now when they're so far out of date, would we be recommending anybody taking those iodine tablets? Thank you for that, Sheila. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We don't have Annalise with us today, but we are going to be talking about yoga and the power of yoga. That's up next. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Someone was asking about Kilbrin Bingo and is it on or off uh, tonight? Somebody's just sent me on a Facebook post to say that the Kilbrin Community Bingo tonight is cancelled and that's because of the severe low temperature warning from nine o'clock onwards. They apologise and they hopefully will be back to normal next week. So thank you for whoever shared that with me. Now Hazel O'Sullivan of the Yoga Tree is uh, filling in for Annalise this week. Uh, good afternoon to you Hazel. 
Hello, Patricia. And Lovely to be on again. Well, it's always great uh, to have you on. Hazel will be well known to people. She's a very popular yoga and wellness instructor. Now, I suppose for people who've never done yoga before, can you just explain to people what it actually is? Absolutely. Um, and I think often, Patricia, people, you know, are a little bit unsure exactly what it is. They think it might be kind of this hippie-ish practice. But really, um, essentially, it's a form of mindfulness movement that com- that combines your breathing with physical exercise. Um, it's an ancient practice that's actually over 3000 years old. So it's been around for a long time. Um, and, you know, I think for everybody, people get different things out of it. So there's different benefits for everybody. But really, essentially, it's it's a movement that you're completely present with um, and you move through yoga poses that are called yoga asanas and you combine that with the breath. So that's kind of, I mean, I could talk about it for hours, but that is kind of essentially basically what it is really. And what, what, what are the benefits of yoga? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think if you were to ask 10 different people that practice yoga, they'd probably all give a different answer to this one. Um, And it's a really good question. So, you know, often I find people come to me for yoga or they come to yoga classes for, you know, the physical benefits. So they may come if they've got back issues or to improve their flexibility. And yoga is absolutely amazing for that. So great from a physical point of view to improve your flexibility, your mobility, the health of your spine, blood pressure, toning, strength your metabolism and so on but also emotionally it has huge benefits for your focus your clarity um, it helps us to be more present and also really good to improve your mood to improve your 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 sleep and I could keep talking for ages yeah but you know there there's some of the main benefits I see that people yeah. people receive from practicing yoga and it's interesting that you're out with me today I spent time at the weekend with a, a friend of mine who had a really really sad bereavement she lost to one of her children um, oh, um, last year and I, you know, we, we just chatting about how she's getting on and uh, I and she said the one thing that she makes sure that she, she does every day is she does her yoga and I, I said how are you finding it and she said it just it keeps me present she said I need to stop my mind from wandering mm. and it just keeps me present and it's funny you said Isn't the exact you said the exact words that, 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 that she said so it's, yeah, it's hugely hugely uh, beneficial but then for and I'm very conscious when we do these chats for people who have never come to it before how does somebody get started I mean I remember when I did my first yoga session I got dragged along by a friend <laughs> to say you must come to this and then I got straight away loved it but I had to be physically oh. hauled along because was the, I was like oh, that's yeah. not for me do you find that that it's just it's that getting in the door or getting to yoga on the first day Absolutely. And you know what? That is so lovely um, that your friend dragged you along because often, you know, it's like anything, you know, when we're going into the unknown, um, we can be nervous because, you know, often I hear from people, they say, oh, gosh, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough. I'm not fit enough. You know, um, I can't touch my toes. And I suppose that's the beauty is that yoga is very inclusive. You know, there's yoga. It's it's for everybody. You know, when you practice yoga, you don't look at the person next to you. You just focus on your own mat. There's no judgment. There's no competition. Um, but I suppose for somebody to get started like yourself, Patricia, I mean, that was lovely now that you went with a friend. And often I'd find a lot of people start and they start with a friend because, you know, you're, you're more accountable. You're doing it together. But, you know, what I would say for somebody if they want to get started is, you know, there's 
it's amazing you know I mean I've been teaching yoga for almost 15 years but there's so many more yoga teachers around now so you know for people to look around and see is there any yoga teachers in their area you know give them a ring if they've been recommended even better but you know give them a ring and tell them you know if you're completely new to yoga if you've any ailments and you know have a chat and just let them know and and I suppose the key really is to find the right style of yoga for you because there's so many different types of yoga now that I think people get a little bit overwhelmed and they're not sure what type of yoga to do you know but I think if you talk to the teacher tell them you know what you're looking for you know what your experience is like and then you can find the right practice for you then you know so because for some people they like to have more of a sweaty um more of a challenging class you know you could do yoga sculpt with weights or you could do ashtanga vinyasa but for a lot of other people when they're completely new to it they may like to choose more of a hatha style so even looking for a hatha um, might be more suitable for them. Yeah, I I saw online uh, lately um, older people. Uh, I think they were inside the nursing home doing chair yoga, and I just thought, how yeah. wonderful! How wonder- they didn't they didn't get out of the chair, but they were all doing their stretches and their poses, and and you could see they were all enjoying it. Oh my gosh, and that's another type that's got so much more popular. You know, I think it's just so inclusive. I mean, even at one stage I used to teach water yoga um and years ago and it used to be amazing for people that, you know, may not feel they could be on a mat, they may not have the mobility, you know, people that were recovering from different illnesses. But yeah, chair yoga is amazing. I mean, I I teach chair yoga too and I teach it, you know, on my app, but it's it's great for people that may not have the mobility to be on the ground. You know, they may feel more secure on their chair and also actually people in front of a computer all day that you can just squeeze in a few yoga poses when you're in front of the laptop as well is is really beneficial you know so there really is yoga for everybody which is so lovely you know and it's so funny when great. it's funny when you said you know people perceive it as hippieish. My friend and I'm talking about I was living in West Cork. It's well over thirty years ago when I went to my first yoga session. She was very hippieish at the time, and I remember thinking, I'm going to go in and there's just going to be a bunch of hippies <laughs> inside. And there wasn't. What I loved about it was I went into this group of of, of people. It was actually in Mandon, and they were all different age groups and came from all different walks of life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 I often hear that. You know, it's the hippiest. It's it's the hippiest thing that puts people off. And you know, of course, there's an element of yoga that's all about the spiritual. But that isn't necessarily for most people. You know, and um, for a lot of people, it may be just more the physical or maybe the emotional to de-stress and so on. But you know, like everything, it's 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 you know there's something for everyone you know there it like it's it's not just exclusive for the hippie hippies and i think it's moved on so much yeah. you know even when i started practicing yoga first um you know it was very hippish you know no one at you know, everyone was vegan no one drank alcohol that were yoga teachers <laughs> and now it's it's more inclusive now you know i love a glass of wine and you know um um and it's just it's not so hippish anymore you okay. know i think there's and there's nothing with, for everybody there's now. nothing wrong with it being hippish either either <laughs> that's exactly exactly someone you know wants, both someone, both is good yeah somebody says could you ask hazel please would you would yoga be good to help you sleep i've my sleep pattern is all over the place Oh, absolutely. And it's probably one of the the big things I hear at the moment from people is is their sleep, you know, whether it's a hormonal imbalance or it's just having problems sleeping or stress and so on. Yeah. So yoga is actually amazing for sleep, you know, and I think if you spoke, you know, like yourself, Patricia, that you practice yoga as well is that you feel the benefit yourself. Um, But actually, it was interesting. There was a Harvard study done. 
And it found that over 55% of people who did yoga found that it helped improve their sleep, which is really encouraging, you know. Um, and I guess when we're practicing the physical form of yoga, we're releasing that physical tension. You know, often when we're stressed, we're kind of holding tension in our shoulders, our neck, our back. So we feel all tense. So when we practice yoga, we're releasing that physical tension. So then our mind can relax. And when our mind and our body are relaxed, we're more likely to sleep better. Um, and then also, you know, what I love, one of the parts of yoga that I love is the breath work. So when you learn to breathe properly, you can bring those skills from your mat into your bed. So when you're trying to sleep at nighttime to do some breathing meditation, just to even just to switch your mind off and to focus on your breath is really beneficial. But it's great. I mean, I find a lot of my students find it really beneficial for sleep. Um, and there's nothing worse than not, than not being able to sleep. sleep. Yeah. So it definitely your, whole day is. Is, your whole day is affected. OK, and to finish off, oh, uh, Bar- Barbara says, uh, I came to yoga through an online uh, course. I was a carer full time and I wasn't able to leave the house to attend classes. I discovered it online and it has changed my life, which is a nice way to end because you've got a yoga app that people can do. I do. And thank you so much for asking me about it, Patricia. It's, it's um, as I like to call it, my fourth baby after my three children. <laughs> so we um, we officially launched it around this time last year, actually. And basically the idea behind it is that it's like all your well-being in one place. So it's, you know, yoga primarily, you know, there's over 400 videos. You know, there's a big range of meditations, almost 100 meditations now, loads of healthy recipes, lots of expert advice. But the idea as well behind it is that, again, it's very inclusive. So there's, you know, different levels, different intensities, you know, yoga from five minutes to 60 minutes. So really helping people to find more wellness in their everyday. Um, so, yeah, so we're really proud of it and it's it's going really well. Thank goodness. So okay, um, it's, and it's great to, be able called, to share my love of yoga with people. It's called the Yoga Tree Community and it is available wherever you get your apps from. Exactly. Okay. Thank Listen, you so much. Hazel, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much Thank, for having me on. Bye Thanks, bye. Patricia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, the lovely Hazel o- O'Sullivan of the Yoga Tree. Now, a couple of uh, comments in on the iodine uh, tablets. The amount of people said that they, uh, they got rid of their iodine tablets, uh, particularly when they were out of date. I was afraid I would poison the whole household, says somebody. Hi, Patricia. I can't find my glasses at times, not to mind where my iodine tablets uh, are. Hi, Patricia. I still have those orange iodine tablets, but they're gone green, I suppose, like wine they get better with age that's from Baz in Bantry that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow too. Court Today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.